Hi, everyone. This is Meredith Root, and welcome to the Afternoon Snack Podcast, brought to you by Tactic Nutrition. Hi, I'm Alex Parker, owner of Tactic Nutrition, former lawyer, CrossFit Games athlete, turned health and fitness geek. I'm also into health and nutrition, a more recent CrossFit Games athlete, co-owner of Tactic Nutrition, and former engineer. We are here to have fun, engaging conversation about some of our favorite topics, including nutrition, health, coaching, motivation, and of course, CrossFit. Our goal is to give you something to think and talk about and hopefully make you laugh along the way. Hey, Alex. Meredith. How's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Um, We got some bikes this weekend. I think that's our big news. That's like our only big news. Yeah. So. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. We like... We rented a few times last year. Both of us mountain biked when we were teenagers, kids. And like I was really into like downhill biking, like at the full face helmet, um, like double crown suspension mm-hmm. bike kind of thing, which was really dangerous. Meredith, you were more into like mountain biking. Like cross country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which I did some of that just for like training when I was on the ski team. But we both fell in love with it again last year. And there's so many places around Calgary in Alberta and BC yeah. to go. So we decided to just treat ourselves. And <laughs> I think it's going to be a really, really fun summer. Yeah. Like it's kind of like skiing, right? Like we live in a place that people travel from all over the world mm-hmm. to ski in. And then the same thing applies to mountain biking. So yeah. it's like, why we're not going to be doing that much traveling why would we not take it like advantage of where we live and the fact that we don't have to travel here yeah so i'm kind of like i spent a lot of time outside skiing and mountain biking as a kid and playing sports and then i think when i started crossfit a lot of my focus it was on that and so i spent so much time either looking at my computer in school or at work and then like either running in a straight line (laughs) or in a gym yeah and now like i'm kind of breaking out of that Mm -hmm. which is really fun and it's we're doing stuff that's fun and brings us joy and it's outside and it's totally different from working out in in a gym yeah which is really exciting Mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty fun Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get my money's worth out of this free health care yeah, so <laughs> last year when we were renting, um, it's like 90 bucks a day to, to rent a bike, mm-hmm. which like I thought was expensive until I discovered, Meredith's like, so do you want one of your, like you want to do this more often? Should we get bikes? And I was like, yeah, like this is awesome. How much do they cost? Like two, three grand? And Meredith's like, I mean, and so then after we returned the bikes that day, we went and walked around the floor and I was looking at some of the price tags like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, yeah that's gonna be a no so it took about i uh, close to a year for mm-hmm. me to come around to the cost of a brand new bike yeah and then but we like, say we kind of mm-hmm. saved up for it and we did and this hard. year i wasn't really planning on buying one like right now and then <clears throat> i got wind of this bike shortage that's apparently a real problem because of all the raw material issues and um so i contacted calgary cycle and they were like oh yeah we're gonna be out of like full suspension mountain bikes by march yeah so i was like okay so we're we're doing this like this morning we called pretty much every mountain bike store 
in Alberta and BC trying to find a specific one. Finally found one. Last mm-hmm. one, I think. Yeah. So that's exciting. We're going we to Edmonton it. tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll keep you guys abreast. That'll be some interesting. I'm sure content. I'll have some panic attack, delayed panic attacks over the price, mm-hmm. but yeah, it'll be worth it once I actually get out riding. Yeah. Always is. My worries will be washed away. <clears throat> so I got a little triggered today. About what? Um, I saw a post and it was by a, like a teenage CrossFit athlete. I don't remember who, and it sort of is irrelevant. But it's about how she was, she's been tracking her macros since she was like 13. And I read it and like, honestly, we don't, we don't work with a ton of teenagers. We work with a handful. I've always had an opinion about teenagers and nutrition, but I just read it. And I was like, why does that feel so inappropriate? Like third, I remember the, like, I mean, it's hard for me to think back to being 13, but I do recall being 13 and the thought of, of being on a diet or tracking macros or doing anything like that at that age it just, it feels wrong, you know? So then I put up a, like, I put up a question on my story and it was, should teenagers track macros? Yes or no? Really simple. Um, and I think as of, um, actually I'll just go ahead and check it right now. We have 83% no and 17% yes. And, um, you know, it's on your personal, that's on my personal. So there's a lot of, well, relatively high number of people. And so I actually had one girl message me and she was like, as someone who tracked macros as a teenager, I can tell you definitely not. And she was like, she's younger because um, she was doing CrossFit when she was 13. And she said it was something that she was told she had to do to be good because her CrossFit co- coach told her like, in order to be like elite, you're going to have to lose weight. It's like a 13 year old. So I started tracking macros and, um, you know, obviously we work with a lot of people who track macros. I don't think macros are the end all be all as far as nutrition goes. I think there are really useful educational tool and understanding like what's in the food that you eat every day. But, you know, adults can make better decisions, I think, and they have a better understanding of themselves and, um, you know, their brains are more developed. Teenagers like they use a totally different part of their brain than adults. Like they use their amygdala for processing information and making decisions, which is driven mostly on emotion and impulses. It develops quickly, I guess, which makes sense. Cause that's where like when we go into that fight or flight mode, we shift into that section of our brain or when we're fighting or something, you just become very emotional. When you're in a very emotional state, you're using your amygdala. Whereas adults are using their like frontal cortex. They understand it's logic. It's the rational part of your brain. It can. Well, they're still using their amygdala, but you're right. Yeah. But like they've done brain scans, like, like teenagers just don't use their amygdala yeah. or their, the yes. rational part of their brain. Yeah. Um, and so it's like as well intentioned as a teenager might be, or as their parents might be, um, you know, it's, it's hard. They don't fully understand the decisions that they're making, even if they're like, no, I understand they don't. Um, and we see that the frontal cortex isn't fully developed until you're like 25, you know, and for men, I don't think it ever fully develops. That was a joke. You can laugh. It wasn't a very good one. So, um, 
you know, I think there's this knee jerk reaction in CrossFit because so many of the top athletes track macros that, you know, these teenage athletes they look up to, and we're seeing more and more teenagers come into the sport when they're, you know, 12, 13 years old. Then, you know, when you want, when I started, I don't know many teenagers at all that did it. And so as teenagers come into the sport and there's the teenage division, they're going to look to the people who are very successful and it's like, oh, well, they're tracking macros and I should be tracking macros too. Um, you know, and there's the RP diet app and all this stuff that's out there that really like pushes, like you have to be tracking your food in order to have success. And I just think teenage athletes, like they should be training and having fun and playing and, you know, in eating, just eating, period. Like eat meals, understand that it's okay to eat. Macro tracking, like it doesn't, it doesn't remove the societal pressure that teenagers feel or that really anybody feels. And that's like, I think there's a tendency to undereat as a, a teenage athlete and even as adults because that's the way that nutrition is portrayed in the media. And so, you know, if you're a teenager with body image issues, which is probably like every teenager, you're going to have a tendency to over or to undereat you're going to feel that pressure and tracking macros doesn't necessarily remove that. It doesn't, it doesn't, um, necessarily like educate on, you know, why food quality is important, why it's okay to eat, why, like what you're seeing out there isn't real, like that kind of thing. So I think it's like, it's just a little bit dangerous in my opinion for teenage athletes to be tracking macros. What do you think? Um, I agree for the most part, um, if you take any high level sport and you put a teenager or a eight year old in it, take gymnastics, for example, like objectively, somebody like that would benefit from tracking macros from a physical standpoint. Everyone would benefit from tracking macros. It like, because you would be ensuring that you're eating what you need to eat to support training or to progress in your sport. But the emotional and mental aspect is big and it can have such a long-term effect, especially on kids and teenagers. Mm -hmm. And so when Meredith and I were talking about this earlier today, my gut reaction was like, I don't, I think it depends. Like, I think it depends on the person, depends on the kid. It depends on their maturity. And she kind of pushed me towards more to her side because that, that emotional aspect and that mental aspect, although it can, it can still have an impact on adults. It can have a really big impact on a developing brain, mm -hmm. especially, and not to be sexist. It's just <clears throat> what we see younger females there's more societal pressure on them to look a certain way. And then obviously food fuels the way you look in certain respects. Yeah. So um, I would agree. I think, and you mentioned this, that a lot of teenagers who are following their idols on Instagram in CrossFit see like, oh, I'm going to, you know, use RP app, tracking app. Like my mom doesn't want to pay for this. My, I don't know. Like maybe they're just, oh, I'll just go on RPF. Or maybe their parents are like, no, you're not tracking food. And then, you know, they're doing that anyways. Mm -hmm. They don't have like 
a nutrition and lifestyle coach who's texting them like, Hey, like you don't actually need to track every single day of the week. Like let's figure out what you're eating. Let's maybe add some more chicken here. Like think about more instead of a macronutrient scale, it's like a food scale. Mm -hmm. Like let's get you eating healthy foods or let's get you eating a variety of foods. You shouldn't like, it doesn't even need to be like healthy or unhealthy because really there isn't unhealthy for kids who are athletic and have a good, um, nutritional base yeah so having i think your own coach helping guide you which is kind of what we've done with some of our teenagers Mm -hmm. the few that we've had um can help a lot but i don't think that's the case for a lot of (laughs) these kids yeah either they're some of them they're not working with a coach or they're working with the wrong coach Mm -hmm. um and it's not to say like i mean i've worked with a handful of teenagers i tend to towards the like let's not track macros at all but i know you've worked with a few older ones who have tracked macros and like we were, we were kind of discussing, you know, is there, is there a scenario where it's okay for a teenager to track? And like, I think there will always be exceptions. There are always going to be, you know, people who are just exceptional and maybe they're exceptional athletes. Maybe they're exceptionally mature for their age. Um, I think, and this, like, I'm not a developmental psychologist and I would never hold myself out to be an expert in that field, but we do know that a lot of the way that we develop our relationship with food comes from the way that we grow up with food. And so, you know, maybe there's a, a teenager who's a little bit older and they came from a family where, you know, both parents had very good relationships with food. There was no restriction. There was lots of inclusion. Um, they were never, you know, overly rewarded with food. They were never punished with food. So they've just developed a very like, oh, it's just food kind of mentality, right? Um, I think it's really, really common. And um, I'm certainly like, there's a bit of a spectrum, right? I remember, um, you know, if we would do, we would have like, do something well, like in sports and school, whatever, um, you know, we would go out and have a celebratory meal or like go get some ice cream. Um, you know, you've talked about going to get slushies, like slurpees, slurpees. <laughs> I think a lot of people grow up in, in homes that even though like overall the relationship with food is okay, food is used as a reward or like, you know, if you don't do something like don't do well in something, then you don't get that. And that can have a big impact on the way that we develop with food. If one of the parents is like a, a chronic dieter, like that's really common. My mom was <clears throat> just constantly on, on, you know, some diet, some fitness routine, um, that, that really matters too. And so I think you have to be really careful with teenagers when you're trying, like, you know, if you coach one and you're trying to get to know them, figure out, um, you know, what kind of person is this? Like what, what is their family like? You know, are they having goals pushed on them? Like where are their goals coming from? Cause like all of that matters when yeah. you decide to work with a kid on nutrition, especially if you're like trying to decide if you should give them some targets on calories or macronutrients, which like I believe should happen in the rarest of situations. Yeah. Yeah. The, the two that I work with and I've worked with for a while, they're kind of sports oriented and both are very mature. One is really just into like, especially more so now, like nutrition and sports and kind of more the science. So we talk a lot about that. Like the guy doesn't hit his macros that often. And it's more just like, make sure you're eating enough. Like, um, 
if he's off, I by no means say like, hey, dude, like you can't go over your macros. I'm like, how was that pizza? Like, I'm glad you're including food you like. I like, like pizza that. too. Yeah. And, yeah. um, and yeah, I think, and his, I'm obviously, his mom is a really, as a long-term client mm-hmm. and she has a good understanding of him. And, you know, it's kind of like an, almost an unspoken agreement that like things yeah. are going well. And if they don't, then we back off. Yep. Um, it was interesting when you said that kids are impacted by the way that their parents were, or their families were in regards to how they thought of food, because we even talked to our clients and we're like, how was, how was it like growing up for you? Like, what was food like for you? And there, a lot of them are like, oh, my mom, like, hmm. you know, she, she always used to talk about like how her body was this way or that way, or, oh, it was, it was always, food was always the reward. Yeah. Um, and that can, it's amazing. Like you grow up with that and that sticks with you for a long, long time. I mean, you work with 50 or 60 year old and what they were like as a kid because of the way their parents were is stuck is still there. Yeah. It just, it's like, it's the way it is. And it's the way it's been for, you know, in, in their twenties and their thirties. Yeah. So it's really, it's interesting. I don't know if you remember, we went and talked to the swim team at, um, university of Indiana and it was the, the swim team there. And also a couple of like, a, like, uh, developmental, like Olympic athletes were there. And Again, this just kind of goes to like the type of sport that CrossFit is. Those kids had no idea what a macro was. Like it was like, wait, what, what are you talking about? And we didn't even talk about macros very much because their nutrition, like their, um, their training department was very much like you can't, like you guys cannot come over here and like talk about macronutrients or restricting. Like it has to be very like basic in general. Um, and I think that's the way it is in a lot of, of other sports. And that's like, that's how it should be. I mean, these kids are getting ready to go to the Olympics and they, they're like, what is a macro? And that's cool. Like, I think that's awesome. They obviously eat their faces off because like swimming, you just have to. But when you look at the dietary patterns in kids, and this was really common when we were talking to Emily about like, you know, what's important to talk about like a lot of them will skip breakfast. Like they don't do the basics while like hydration, stuff like that. So it's, I think that that's common in kids. I mean, I remember being in high school and like not eating breakfast. I'm like, I don't need to eat breakfast. So it's like, you're going to take a kid who can't even put like three or four square meals in front of their faces a day. You're like, that's okay. We're just going to have you track macros. It's like, no, do the basics first. Like figure out how to do that. Figure out how to sleep, you know, more than eight or nine hours a night because that's what teenagers need. And like, you know, once you're, once you, you've nailed that for four or five years, like then come talk to me about macros. Um, I, I'm just thinking back to when I was 13. So that's what, like grade seven. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I can still remember what I ate because I ate the, so sim- like the same way for as a kid. I was so carb heavy. I like probably ate 500 grams of carbs a day mm-hmm. and and my mom fed me well like she made well-rounded meals like protein was I was never eating full chicken breasts mm-hmm. like I would have pasta with some like you know maybe cut up meat inside yeah. of it like they were it was good pasta um or like I'm just trying to like burritos with ground turkey and like refried beans and things like that and stir fries mm-hmm. but like breakfast was very much like bagel. Like I would, I think I ate like two bagels with peanut butter yeah. and like butter. 
And then lunch was like a sandwich, which like how much meat can you get in a sandwich? Like two ounces. <laughs> Cheese. <laughs> and then I would eat like banana bread, cookies, fruit, and then like, you know, little snacks mm-hmm. and stuff. And then I would come home and eat like another bagel. Yeah. <laughs> and like it was a lot of just like I was on the like I was obviously extremely active as a kid. And just to think back and think, man, in grade seven, to eat the way that I eat now. Like, okay, no, no, I have to have a chicken sausage and my eggs because mm. I need to get my protein. And then to have to eat basically dinner, like a, a big ass piece of meat for lunch. Like, no. Yeah. And, and kids, have to like prep that to go to high school. Yeah. Like, it's, I don't know. Just like, well, grab that a, too. Like, grab a cheese bun. Like, yeah. It's fine. Eat <laughs> that the, was like, a cinnamon buns we used to have too. Yeah. I like, I. And to not even think like, this cheese bun contains this much fat. I know. Like even now, I'm like, I don't even know what a cheese bun is. If I want one, probably going to have one. Yeah. And like probably not track it because I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. But like there are 13 year olds. It's actually scary to think there are 13 and 14 year old girls, not only that already have the societal pressure on diet and body image to add on to that with like a numbers game and bad and good foods. Yeah. Which happens like it just happens. Like I would, I was kind of the same, right? Like I would eat my face off because I was a swimmer and we would have morning practices and then we would go eat like Biscuitville or Hardee's, like whatever the hell was in that. And then, (laughs) you know, eat all day or like go to school, whatever, and then have evening practice. We would go to, we would go to like Krispy Kreme and just like crush donuts after practice. We used to drive so it, when we used to go skiing in sun, at sun, Sunshine, we drive past Canmore and Banff. Um, so on the way home, it would be like four and I would probably have eaten like however many carbs and cookies and stuff at the hill. But on the way home, we'd stop at Tim Hortons. It's just on the off the highway. And I would get an iced cappuccino, a maple dip donut and a bagel yeah. at like four or five on the way home from skiing. And then get home and have like pizza for dinner. Yeah. Homemade pizza. But just but, imagine like like had someone told me like, okay, you're, you want to be like, you want to be division one swimmer. You want to be the best of the best. You have to track your food. And I'm like, okay, I can track my food. And all of a sudden I realized that I'm eating 600 grams of carbs a day and like carbs are bad because that's what it says. Or in- you see Tia Claire Toomey put out a, a video on YouTube saying I only eat 250 grams carbs. Yeah. It's so like, like, what are you going to do? Oh my God. Are you crazy? I shouldn't be eating this much. Like <laughs> Yeah, I would have changed my eating habits immediately, immediately. And not only that, like, like now I like now I'm questioning every single thing that I do Mm -hmm. on top of all the stress that it comes with being a 13 year old adolescent female. (laughs) It's insane. It's insane. It's so inappropriate that it's difficult to even like put my emotions about it into words. But the fact of the matter is I can put myself in that person's shoes I remember what I ate as a teenage athlete and I would have stopped that immediately. Yeah. Like without question. I do not have my teenagers do is weigh themselves. Especially. And and they'll say like, do I need to weigh? I'm like, do you think you need to weigh it? Like, do you, are you worried about? No. Okay. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Just leave it like that. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to know how you feel. And like, I'm like, take weekends off with your friends. Like this is, it's just. Yeah. When part of it, like, Again, it's the way that information is put out there. Mm-hmm. Like had when I was swimming, had my like, you know, that my idol been putting out her macronutrients, I would have been like, oh, 
I should probably track my macros. Like it's no one's fault. It's just the fact that like the behavior, like people do it. And like we, we as nutrition coaches have to do our due diligence in our jobs. And like, sometimes we have to say no Yeah. to like, to teenage clients. Like you can say no, you can say like, Mm-mm. you shouldn't like, you can say you shouldn't track your macros, which is what you should say. I think a lot of the time, especially if that, if it's like a 13 year old or 14 year old girl, are you crazy? Okay. That's what I have to say about that. Um, I think that there are some adults who still struggle in similar ways. And that can be again, because of the way that we come up with food in our lives. Um, but at least adults understand themselves typically, like we've had people come to us and they're like, look, I'm fucked up. I have a bad relationship with food and it's like, all right, so maybe with you, we're not going to start with tracking macros. I just want to see like, can you put, um, together reasonable looking meals? Like, let's just start with like, can you put a carb protein and fat on a plate three times a day? Let's see what that looks like. Actually looks like, like send me pictures of your food. Like that's what I do with those people. And it's like, all right, so let's make that bigger. Yeah. And that smaller. Um, and that way you're not attaching emotions and numbers to people who, when you do that, will just like become obsessed. Yeah. And I think adults, and we, like you said, we've had a lot who are like, look, like I need to take some time off tracking or this isn't good for me. Whereas a kid who all they want to be is like Tia, for example, mm-hmm. they're going to be like, this is what I have to do. Yeah. To be, to be the way I am. Like I, even though like, and they don't even know that they're getting messed up. Yeah. At least adults, like they've have experience with food. They know what they used to be like around food. Like they know what anxiety inducing, like what causes the anxiety and it maybe is having to track or yeah. they're worrying about going out for dinner because they can't track it properly. Yeah. You're not going to know these kids are not going to know the damage being done until they, until it's time to stop. Yeah. And then it's like, how do I stop? Like I've done this since I was 13. You're telling me that They're I not don't even, need to track They don't even food? learn how to eat. Yeah. Without like in this intuitive eating, which I don't necessarily like that word mm-hmm. or even mindful eating. There's none of that. Mm-hmm. It's all, it's like, I'm trying to think of a metaphor for it. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, it's just, it's constantly on your, your app. I mean like, oh, well, can this fit? Cool. Can that fit? Oh no. Can this fit? Cool. Like you're not actually, there's no assessment Mm -hmm. and you can't expect a kid who like, they don't have the brain space for that. You're going to expect a kid be like, Hey, look, like I know you're in high school and I know you're taking a couple APs and some honors. And I know you have like college applications coming up, but I really need you to pay attention to your food and like try to learn and under, you're going to ask them that get out of here with that. You crazy. I don't know. Um, but at least with adults, like there's generally more self-awareness yes and a little more time for like if i say to an adult look i i know that you've you've had this history with food i need you if we're going to use macros i need you to use macros in the way that they're intended to be used which is to learn about your food yeah and with most adults we try to force for lack of better term flexibility and balance on them so as soon as somebody's getting and it's almost uh kind of like underlying in our message so somebody has like 
macros that aren't perfect. I will intentionally be like awesome logs because I want them to be like, oh, yeah. I mean, I was like, I was this far over on fat and I'm like, so? So? They're like, like, oh, I was, well, I was like 15 grams over on carbs. And yeah. it's like, yeah, that's cool. Or people will be like, how do I, should I bring my scale to the restaurant? I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't even say that. Like yeah. you don't need to 100%. Absolutely. It's not going to even slow progress. If anything, you're just going to be, it's that, that whole thing of like perfection. It's just not worth mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And um, it can lead you down a little rabbit hole that you can't, it's hard to dig out of. Well, you rarely see it pay off. Like that's the whole thing with it. It's like, um, you put all this effort into being perfect and you're like, Hey, I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to weigh everything. Like I'm going to hit my macros to a T and like, it's kind of like, so we sometimes use the metaphor. I like metaphors clearly of (laughs) saving money and like managing your finances. And you don't have, you don't have financial advisors or accountants saying like, Oh, you can only spend $1 and 55 cents per day on coffee. And you can't spend this much on that, or you can't spend on this. Um, only one day a week you can do this with your money. Otherwise, people are going to get crazy about their money. Spending anything is mm-hmm. going to be like, you know, if, yeah. you're, if someone's looking at their bank account every single day and they're worried about every single amount in that bank account, what's it going to be like when they want to go out with their friends and buy a bike? Mm-hmm. Like when they've, they, they can easily afford a bike. And it's not going to actually hurt them that much or they want to go on vacation and it starts a marital fight because Mm -hmm. somebody can't spend money because they're obsessed with what's in their bank account yeah or they can't loosen the reins or they don't have balance and flexibility i don't know if that metaphor works it does in my brain Mm -hmm. but it's a good example of like there needs to be balance in life and if you're constantly just like well i think that like that metaphor ends with like you can be that way with money especially if you you know, you make enough and can support your family and your activities. But like, if all you ever do is pinch pennies and save your money, you're going to die with a bunch of money in your bank account. And like, you're never going to actually get to experience the joys of spending money on vacations and doing things that you like, like being with friends, spending money on being with friends. It's no different with food mm -hmm. and enjoying food is social and emotional. And it should like, it should be social to an extent. Mm hmm. Um, like, does it need to be the, like the core focus and like, do you have to eat the, the cheese plate? Like, no, you don't. But like food has been social since we were in caves. Like Mm -hmm. it is always going to be social. You should enjoy it on occasion. Like you should be able to go out with your friends and eat tapas and not be like panicky about like, how the fuck do I track tapas? Because like, guess what? You can't because like, there's no way to really measure what you're eating. There's probably an absurd amount of fat in that that you have absolutely no idea because that's how tapas are. But like, why does it matter? It doesn't yeah. actually matter. It matters like it matters if you go eat tapas every day and you say, I want to lose weight, but I also want to go eat tapas with my friends every day. And I say, your goal, madam, is not to lose weight. <laughs> it's to go have tapas with your friends every day. Yeah. And so you have to understand that that decision comes with a cost. And it just means that you need to adjust your expectations on the type of physical prog- progress that you'll see trying to be on a diet of any kind. Mm-hmm which is fine. Not everybody needs to be on a diet. Why does everybody need to be on a diet? I don't know. I'm feeling a way here. <laughs> I'm like, I'm in a mood, you know? Yeah. I mean, you're asking good questions. I think that there's a, there's this thing where we feel like we always have to be on a diet, but like, what if we just kind of ate normally for like 
eight or 10 months out of the year. And then when you're like, you know what? I would like to lean out a little bit, like diet for a couple of months and be like, yeah, look at me, sweet. And then go back to eating like a normal human being. Okay, but that that poses a problem for some people because for you, eating normally is actually normal. Mm -hmm. It's a normal amount of food. It's an appropriate amount of food. Yeah. Eating normally for other people who've never learned like, yeah, I need to go to the grocery store and plan my dinners out so that I don't go to McDonald's every single night on the way home from work. Yeah. Um, That's like, you don't, but that person doesn't. There needs to be a base of education and habit building before you can just send them off and be like, eat normally. Yeah. But that person doesn't need to be on a diet. They need to fix their diet. And so that's the education component. Yes. Because there's a difference between like, if you're someone who eats McDonald's and like bullshit all the time, you're going to feel like you're on a diet like 100% of the time when you're not allowed to do that. Yes. But like, what if you could have McDonald's once a week and it didn't matter because your diet was like normal the rest of the time. It had plants in it and lean protein and you didn't eat too much of anything. Sometimes I have clients who they come to me and their food logs are for lack of a better word, like they eat like an asshole. Mm-hmm. And um, after six months or so of kind of like slowly weaning them off fast food and into more of a healthy, more variety, varietal diet with fruits and vegetables I believe and stuff. diverse. Diverse. Is, yeah. <laughs> They'll have a fast food item mm-hmm. in their log. And I'm like, how, how was that? Like McDonald's fries. Mm-hmm. And they're like, actually it was gross. Yeah. What's it's so kind like- of because they learn like, okay, I don't even really like the way that that food makes me feel. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Maybe I'd rather go out for high quality tacos and a margarita with my friends. Yeah. Well, that's that whole, like that pleasure trap, right? Yeah. Like when you, overstimulate and overstimulate and overstimulate by eating these like hyper palatable fast food items which like are designed to be hyper palatable that becomes your baseline is now your baseline is no longer like you know barbecued chicken with like roasted potatoes and broccoli that's going to taste like cardboard your baseline for flavor is now a big mac with fries and a coke Mm -hmm. so when you like when you work to get your baseline back down to homemade whole foods like, and then you go eat something like that. It's like, it feels like a lot. Like When I have a fry from like a restaurant, which I haven't had one of those in a long time. Like fast food fry. Like any fry, okay. like an actual deep fried fry. Mm-hmm. It's like my brain explodes. Yeah. <laughs> There's so much like dopamine that goes off. Like, Whoa. or like real ice cream. Mm-hmm. It's like, cause I just don't eat that very often. Yeah. And it's like, this does, this flavor doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> this is too good this like i'm gonna die like i'm laughing right now sometimes that like if i eat now if i go and have like a timbit or a donut it's like it's so effing delicious Mm -hmm. but like back when i used to eat donuts more often because i was a kid and like could eat that stuff not that i can't now but like i could eat it on a frequent basis i don't remember them tasting that good literally every time i have a birthday cake timbit like i take a bite and i look at it and i'm like (laughs) how do you get something to taste like this (laughs) like i don't even i don't even know what raw materials go into that this flavor is just like it's i've had i've never had anything like this in my whole life it's like dry but moist and And like the 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 frosted yeah but still soft on the inside but like kind of chewy still on the outside if you aren't from canada and you've never had a a tim horton's timbit it's a donut hole Mm -hmm. i think that's what you guys refer to them as 
but a yeah. munchkin if you're a Dunkin' Donuts, a Dunkin' Donuts fan. Oh man, they I are. Really, it was interesting. I have a, an older client who's has like done it every diet on the sun, mm-hmm. and basically it's been discovered that she just never stuck to anything long enough. She's like, no diet works. I'm like, yeah, no diet works for two weeks. No, but she's been on this diet for not diet, but she's been doing macros and it's been like, all right, literally we have like a protein target and like just having her focus on high quality foods, which she's also never done. Um, and learning what's in stuff has been huge. Mm -hmm. So she's losing weight. She's feeling better. Her health is on the up. But the other day she texted me and was like, I had no idea that there were that many calories in a Timbit. <laughs> 70. It's like two bites. For one. There's one, I think, like the sour cream glaze is That's 80. Yeah, because it got sour cream in and it. And like somebody's going to buy 10 Timbits at least or buy a box of 40, yeah. eat 10. That's 1,000 calories, which for somebody who's 60 and is a smaller, that's half of your calories for the day. Yeah. And like, you're going to be hungry in 30 minutes. Yep. Yeah. I think like macros are, they're a very specific tool. Like there are many tools and it's a very specific one. And it's like, it's really, it's one to like fix your shit. Like Mm -hmm. if you have absolutely no idea what you're eating, super good tool to use. If your goal is weight loss, I like macros because it means we don't have to like tank calories to get, you know, I think it's, it's appropriate for people who want to lose weight when we're working with like kind of small deficits because people suck at like managing calorie deficits, which is the majority of our clients, I would say. Yeah. So, but I think for normal people like who are tracking macros, the goal should be to kind of go out in the wild with it and like, Hey, I've used this tool. Like I'm not trying to lose weight anymore. I'm just maintaining, like maybe I'm trying to build up. Like you should be trying to emulate your, the meals that you're eating without tracking those meals yeah, mindful like, eating yeah educated, educated eating. eating like in i hate the word intuitive eating because like people the reason there is an obesity crisis in the in the u.s and canada is because people intuitively eat mm-hmm. like i hate that word yeah. intuition will will lead you down a path you don't want to go down so it's you have to it's spend like, time. I feel like eating 40 Timbits. <laughs> yeah. I actually wish, like, I do feel like eating 40 Timbits because yeah. I love Timbits. My intuition tells me to go eat a full rack of ribs from Chili's. <laughs> Which is some people are like, I'm intuitively eating. They're like, but don't worry. I'm doing I what like, my body telling me to do. I got my protein in. I ate a whole rack of ribs. Like, yeah. oh, neat. So don't eat fat for the next three days. But that's kind of it, right? Like, you should be trying to, to emulate that and use like macros exist for education. At least that's, that's the way they exist in my reality. And it's just because like, I can't imagine tracking macros for my entire life. I mean, you know, I don't track my macros really anymore because I don't need to, I don't want to. Yep. Um, I have a rough idea of what I eat. Sometimes I track it just for fun and I'm always in the ballpark of, you know, where I think, and I'm not doing anything. Like I'm not competing. Yeah. I'm just like kind of living my life when I'm hungry. I eat when I'm not, I still try to eat sometimes, but like, that's because I have spent years and years and years and years doing this. Like I know what food is supposed to look like and feel like, and I know what I'm supposed to feel like when I eat it. I have clients, whether or not they're weight loss or just, they want to learn to eat healthier and fuel their bodies properly. When I see them hitting their macros on a very consistent basis, like seven out of seven days of the week, I will start 
implementing uh, mindful eating days like hey how would you feel about taking weekends off or start with a weekday people like people like that who start using um my fitness pal to like make them it's like a sense of control and like mm-hmm. they like it they, they they're used to it they feel comfortable with it getting them like away from that can be almost anxiety inducing in itself like moving away so you'll have them start on like a wednesday and it's like a Wednesday, you eat the same thing you do on Tuesday and Thursday. Just don't put it into my fitness pal. Um, if it's not perfect, it's going to be close enough for your goals. Like you're not a weight loss client anymore, or you aren't to begin with, you'll be fine. Um, and then it's like, okay, let's do a Saturday. And then some days it's like, and especially now, because people aren't going on vacation, they're not getting those little breaks mm-hmm. where there's, they're like, oh yeah, I am okay if I don't track. Or if I don't know what's in food, but without, with COVID, they're not getting out. So you almost have to say like, let's take this week off. Everything's going to be fine. And then eventually, you know, they're only tracking a couple days a week. Or if they do decide to go off macros, they're comfortable going off macros like you are now. What's interesting is people who struggle with losing weight or maintaining a healthy body weight will take into it, will take mindful eating days off. Mm -hmm. Like, <clears throat> but the and then they're like no i i ate exactly how i ate on wednesday like you won't even ask them to because i don't think if somebody is very unhealthy mm-hmm. they should be kind of sticking to their macros for at least two weeks at the beginning yeah and it's an interesting um phenomenon i yeah. guess it's yeah i mean like we see patterns all the time right yeah like that's just that's kind of one of them but when somebody who's struggling with their weight says like oh i just I ate like I normally do. It's like, I don't necessarily, as much as I want to give somebody the benefit of the doubt, they don't have that education yet in order to go out there. It's not ingrained in them. Like there's a reason you didn't track your food and it's because you ate something that's can't even be tracked. Otherwise you would have tracked. Yeah. It's like, I mean, obviously there are, there are different excuses and some are valid, some are not, but yeah, the, like they don't have the toolbox. Like, yes. Unfortunately, like if you're a, like someone who's obese or needs to lose weight, like the only demonstrated pattern that you have in your adult life is that you're actually not very good at dieting. Mm-hmm. And that sounds harsh. Or eating like a moderate diet. Mm-hmm. But it's true. So yeah. it just means that like everything has to be like pushed and shifted to like, you know, we need to be very diligent and like and try to build some new habits here because that's really the issue yep. so that when you do want to take a day off, you understand what that should look like and feel like and be like. Yeah. Um, but that takes like, you know, that takes time and, um, yeah, it's, it's usually not the best approach to retroactively tell your nutrition coach. I took the day off, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. but I ate, I ate the same that I did on Tuesday. Like, sure. Mm, I'm pretty sure I saw on Instagram you out eating pizza with your friends, but I guess that was just a throwback. You forgot to push the hat, put the hashtag in. Um, yeah, so we really, uh, we got off topic here. We had a whole, a whole podcast (laughs) plan that ended up not Not getting talked about. (laughs) But the good news is, I guess this, that makes this a, a bonus episode and we'll revisit the other topics, um, next time. But, um, would love to hear your thoughts on the teenage macro thing on macros in general, like how they've worked for you with what the limitations are. Like, you know, obviously I think that they're a very popular tool for nutrition coaches because it's very easy to keep track of what people are doing. Like 
there it's it's like it doesn't get easier than logging into my fitness pal and looking at someone's food logs and you can like i firmly believe you can make the most progress the fastest using that approach but there has to be like there has to be a strategy for getting out of that macro nest mm-hmm. because it's just not feasible to for most people to track their food for you know the rest of their life yeah you wouldn't like i don't think you would want to anyways um so that's kind of our stance on that but yeah and not to plug our program i mean plug away alex this is our podcast okay well that wasn't this isn't the point of the podcast but i will say our program because we're checking in with people three times a week we have a really good understanding of where they're at with their diet if things are getting pushed to a very more extreme balance like and and either way actually either way um an intuitive eating on one side and just like extremely strict zero balance on the other side we know because we're talking to them so frequently it's like hey like how's this week going how are you feeling about macros do you want to take tomorrow off and then on friday it's like hey how'd yesterday go it's really easy to keep a really good eye on people's mindset towards macros and tracking and and their habits and literally everything that we discuss with our clients yeah we have our finger on the pulse so to say so i i feel like we have a good rein on when before things get completely out of control which is hopefully never yep that's the goal um as always thanks for listening we hope you like this one sorry for going on a rant (laughs) i do that we do that it's fired up man fired up um follow us on tactic um personals alex and meredith we're on youtube now so check that out we have a bang and email list to get on it if you're not on there and uh yeah we will talk to you guys soon